1: Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert.
2: You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council, talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday through Friday. Your team every single day of the week here on the show. Make sure to rate, review and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, also check us out on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Odyssey, and wherever you listen to this show and all of your favorite shows across the Locked On Podcast Network. Like Lockdown Hornets, Charlotte Hornets are three and one. If you're a Panthers fan, I assume you're probably also a Charlotte Hornets fan. So go check out Walker Mel, my guy Kanata Edwards, who's in his final week doing the show. What they're talking about. As the Hornets are off to a great three in one start to the season. And we'll continue to talk, of course, Carolina Panthers here on this show. So make sure to do all that rate review and subscribe. And be sure to follow me on Twitter at Julian Council where every single Friday we have our weekly Friday mailbag right here on the show. So either at me at Julian Council or DM me at Julian Council and send me in all of your questions to the show that I'll answer on Friday. And I've gotten plenty of them. But don't forget to follow me. Matt Julian Council before you do that. And speaking of some of the DMS I've gotten in terms of questions about the, sh- uh, not just about the show, but about the Panthers that I'll get to on Friday. And thanks to everyone who sent those in so far. I did get a question from a listener about, Hey, do you ever have guests on the show? Of course you guys already know that on Thursdays throughout the season, if you've been listening, if maybe you don't know, maybe this is the first time you're listening on Thursdays throughout the NFL season here on the Locked On podcast network, I have the weekly crossover. Everyone on the podcast network has a weekly crossover episode with the host of the opponent that week for the team. Since this is Locked On Panthers, we'll be talking to Aaron Freeman of Locked On Falcons for the first time this season tomorrow. So that's what happens. So that's every week there is a guest there. But typically with the Friday mailbag that that shows taken care of Monday is a reaction to the game and then Tuesday's reaction to still the game and what Matt Rule had to say on Monday and then Wednesday has kind of been somewhat of an open day where I start looking ahead and there might be other things I want to say but oftentimes Wednesdays are just kind of meh they're just there because I record on Tuesdays Tuesday's the off day you're not getting a ton of news from the Carolina Panthers now there is some news I'll get into here in a moment so listeners ask if I A lot of guests, and you know, if you guys listen back in the spring and throughout the summer, I had guests on also in training camp leading into the season when things are lighter and there's not too much news, but there's plenty of news. I feel like I can carry the show by myself throughout the season. But I have been wanting to do a little bit of different things on Wednesdays. I'm thinking moving forward, I'm going to try and incorporate more guests. Now, the problem is, guests aren't always available the time I want to record, and sometimes I have to wait. Like today's episode, I had to wait a little bit longer to record into the night with somebody when I didn't really want to do that. But I also want to get different perspectives on the podcast and try and do some different things for you guys and not keep things stale. So not saying that the listener said things are stale. He certainly said he loves the show. Just want to try some things out. So Josh Klein, who's been on the show before, he'll be joining us here shortly as I want to get his perspective on what's going on. With the Panthers and their four-game losing streak and Sam Darnold and all of the rumors surrounding the Panthers' interest and the Houston Texas quarterback Deshaun Watson. So I have him on the show here shortly to get into all of that. But before then, the news that did come out of Carolina on Tuesday afternoon is that Starting right guard John Miller would be on IR for the next three weeks. And this was a report from Jonathan Alexander of The Observer on Monday prior to Matt Rule's day after press conference reporting that John Miller, according to a source, would be out two to four weeks with a severe ankle sprain. Now he will be out at least three weeks, meaning that he will miss Sunday's matchup. Against the Atlanta Falcons on the road. He'll miss the game against the Patriots. And then I believe after the Patriots is Washington or is it the Miami Dolphins? One of those two games. So he potentially could even miss the Dolphins game. So I think, yeah, I think it's the, the Dolphins, I believe as I'm trying to find my schedule real quick and it is no, it's the Cardinals game. So John Miller will miss the game against the Falcons Patriots and Cardinals Then potentially could return and Ron Rivera's return to Charlotte um during the game against the Washington football team so what does that mean it means that either Trent Scott needs to step up and be the starter or Dennis Daly who was pulled from left guard and Michael Jordan has taken over that spot and that seems to be someone that Matt Rule likes a lot will have to try and fill in that right guard or Brady Christensen who Matt Rule said Struggled on Sunday at left tackle. Maybe Christensen, who they like more on the right side, gets an opportunity to start at guard. There's certainly plenty of options for the Carolina Panthers. None of them seem to be all that great at right guard right now, but there are plenty of options. Brady Christensen, like I mentioned, it could be Trent Scott, it could be... Dennis Daly, Pat Elfline, not quite sure whether he moves right to left guard immediately, or maybe they move Michael Jordan over to right guard, or even Deontay Brown, someone that a lot of y'all want to see out there play. There were five different options, which is actually kind of a good thing, although the offensive line continues to be an issue, and I don't think anyone who steps in there right away is going to prove to you to be the right answer, but I think maybe probably the most likely uh, thing that happens is that Pat Elfline, who has been designated to return from injured reserve will start again at left guard and then Matt Rule will get Michael Jordan over there on the right side. That's just my guess of how that how things turn out um, coming on Sunday against the Falcons, but I could be wrong. Uh, other news that came out, Matt Rule kind of said this on Monday without saying it, but he talked about how they need better um, production out of the punter position with Joe Charlton currently on. On IR of a back injury, they signed Ryan Winslow in part because he used to hold for the Panthers kicker Zane Gonzalez. Ryan Winslow was waived on Monday and so was kicker Dominic Everly from the practice squad. So the Carolina Panthers could sign punter Lachlan Edwards to the practice squad, who very likely will be elevated the next two weeks to be the starting punter. He spent time with the New York Jets, the Buffalo Bills, the Los Angeles Chargers and the Detroit Lions in his four seasons. With the Jets, he averaged 45.5 yards per punt. So expect Lachlan Edwards will be the Panthers' kicker, or excuse me, punter, on Sunday and next week when the Panthers return home against the New England Patriots. This now means that the Panthers have two open roster spots on their active 53-man roster, leaving room for Stephon Gilmore to potentially make his Panthers debut and get off of the Pup list or for Miles Hartsfield, who's returning a lot sooner than the reports that suggested when he got injured in that week two Saints game that he would be out eight to twelve weeks. He's been designated to return from injured reserve as well. So he could be back playing on Sunday, which would be great for the Carolina Panthers secondary to get healthier. And also hopefully the Shaq Thompson might have a chance on Sunday too to play. We'll see. Matt Rule wants to see what he looks like. We'll get more of an update um off through after Wednesday's practice. I'll talk about that. Um, hopefully sometime before the game gets going, probably likely on Friday when we get more of an injury report uh, status and who might play on Sunday afternoon when the Panthers head down I-85 South to face the rival Falcons and go to hopefully 2-0 in the NFC South. All right, quick pause here. Then on the other side, going to talk to Josh Klein of the Riot Report and get his thoughts on what's going on with Sam Darnold, the Panthers' four game, losing streak, and weather. Going after Deshaun Watson makes sense for this organization as they try to avoid what could potentially be a season-long tailspin in year two of Matt Rule. All that coming up here shortly on Locked On Panthers. Hey, Panther fans, this is Julian Council with an incredible app everyone who buys gas needs to know about. It's called Get Upside. My listeners are making up to $0.25 for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free Get Upside app in the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store right now. Use promo code TOUCHDOWN and you can get a bonus $0.25 per gallon on your first fill up. That's up to $0.50 cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back by using GetUpside. Just download the app for free and use promo code Touchdown to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 a month in cash back, and there's no catch. The cash back gets added directly to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code Touchdown. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right. As promised, Josh Klein, who is the editor in chief of the riot report. You guys know about the roaring Riot. They do a fantastic job bringing us all together in these trying times as the Carolina Panthers have lost four straight games. And folks are not happy. The vibes are bad, Josh. How are you feeling today?
3: Are these trying times? Are things are bad things happening? Are 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 the, is our Slack channel filling up with people pitching paper bags <laughs> with the Roaring Riot logo on them? No, definitely not. That's definitely not happening.
0: It's funny, like we call it trying times, but like really, like I say that more tongue in cheek. Like it's football. They're still ten weeks to go. Theoretically, they're still in the hunt. Um, even though after what we've seen over the last four weeks, it's hard to believe anything positive is going to happen, but Shaq Thompson will be back eventually. Stephon Gilmore eventually will suit up. And Christian McCaffrey will be back. So the Carolina Panthers will get players back that can help them. The main issue, though, is the offensive line in Sam Darnold and their ability to help this team win football games. I've seen you tweet out this over the last couple of weeks. The Carolina Panthers would be – three and three if they still had Teddy Bridgewater. They'd have three and four if they still had Teddy Bridgewater. Please explain yourself and why you feel the need to poke and prod the fan base by tweeting these things.
3: I don't know if I'm really poking and prodding the fan base as much as I am just trying to point out the fact that everyone clamored that that well maybe I guess now that I say it maybe I am but uh, it just (laughs) seemed like everyone clamored for they needed to move on from Teddy Bridgewater and I just felt like I, I really do feel like that Teddy Bridgewater got a b- bum rap while he was here in Carolina. I think that he played like Teddy Bridgewater has played for the entirety of his career. He played for that, played like that for 15 games here in Carolina, and he got killed for it. And he got Joe Brady, uh, you know, five head coaching opportunities in January as soon as the season ended. He was able to lead this offense to however many, would they have three different uh, players that had a thousand yard receiving? Four. And four. four different. Exactly. And then, you put, and then you put Sam Darnold back there, and Joe Brady is uh, having his play calling duties brought into question, is you know, being called the, the ire of the entire team. And I got news for you the offensive line last year was no better than the offensive line this year. And that offense was a hell of a lot better with Teddy Bridgewater than it is with Sam Darnold. And so this team was so anxious to move on from an average quarterback that they themselves brought in in, uh, in the hopes that Sam – that Darnold could be a reclamation project. And maybe there was a little bit of hubris in terms of, hey, we can do with this, with this guy something that the Jets could not do. Or maybe there was a little bit of impatience – Uh, from whether it was the owner, whether it was the coach, whether it was the new GM that said, Hey, listen, we got to get a new quarterback in here stat. And if it's not, uh, and it can't be Teddy Bridgewater. So um, let's try out Matt Stafford, not going to be Matt Stafford. Let's try out Deshaun Watson, not going to be Deshaun Watson, not yet anyway. And so it's like, Hey, let's, let's go out there and get Sam Darnold. And, uh, and now you are seeing um, what three years of sample size of Sam Darnold was in New York city that, you know, it wasn't, Maybe it wasn't Adam Gase. Maybe this guy just isn't ready to be an NFL quarterback at an elite level um, or even at an average level. What you're seeing from him is the same quarterback that we saw in New York, somebody that has happy feet, that makes poor decisions, that makes poor decisions specifically under pressure. And, you know, the three-game sample size that we had at the beginning of the season was great. Um, I thought Joe Brady was did an excellent job of scheming, for Sam Darnold's deficiencies as a quarterback. And the the rest of the league has kind of adjusted to it. And now it's up to Sam Darnold and for Joe Brady and Matt Rule to adjust to the rest of the league or else this season is going to get away from them really fast. And ultimately, you know, will Sam Darnold cost somebody their job uh, at the end of the day? I I don't know.
0: Quite possibly. And I like how you went back there and you said – how people killed Teddy Bridgewater for being Teddy Bridgewater. I was always very confused by the anger that Panther fans had last fall with his play when he, like you mentioned, was no different than he had been in his entire career. I'm not quite sure what exactly the expectation was for the Panthers. I understand how they lost games last season being so competitive, so close and could not go down the field and never tie or win the game in those situations. I get how that can be frustrating, but – I mean, come on, like, what did you expect? Now, Sam Darnold, I said this, I can't really be mad at him because, like, with Teddy Bridgewater being Teddy Bridgewater, Sam Darnold's being Sam Darnold. It's I blame, if anything, the organization, the front office, for bringing him here. Now, you talk about whether it was trying to find an upgrade, the impatience, the hubris, all that kind of stuff. I kind of look back at David Tepper when it comes to all of this because he's the one who put everyone on notice two weeks prior to the season almost being over last year when he let go of Marty Herney, had that Zoom interview. Letting the media know I moved on and talk about trying to find that franchise quarterback and always being in constant pursuit of him. Do you agree that maybe David Tepper should be, maybe bear more of the blame than a Joe Brady or a Matt Rule, considering how things have gone the last four weeks of Sam Darnold?
3: Um, you know it's tough to say. Uh, I don't want to say outright yes, but I'm certainly leaning that way. I mean, when you look back at that press conference after Marty Hurney got fired, uh, that Teddy Bridgewater dig. Uh, at the at the quarterback and how the quarterback performs in the fourth quarter, that came pretty much unprompted. That was yes. uh, that came from a from another question, and he kind of went off on a tangent about how you judge a quarterback and, and threw Teddy Bridgewater, you know, under the bus and, and said, you know, and talked about how how to judge a quarterback and what if you don't have the right quarterback in this league, you can't compete. Blah, 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 whatever he said, all the things that he said, and that all started the that and then the next Sunday. Then you have Matt Rule talking about Teddy Bridgewater. And then Joe Brady's talking about Teddy Bridgewater. So it's all, you know, they fall in a line. You have, we all have bosses, right? You hear your boss say something and you say, hey, hey, Mm well, I mean, if he's talking about it, I want to say the same thing as him. Um, Do you think that that has, you know, all this, everything that the Carolina Panthers do and will do for the, you know, for the next 20 years will be a reflection of some sort of, of David Tepper? And whether or not you want to attribute the the day-to-day decisions or whether they're just the big decisions that get made by him, um, you know, he has to take the brunt of it because he is the owner. And that's the same thing with Matt rule has to take the brunt of, you know, Robbie Anderson. Uh, one of the things that I've been, that I've been thinking about these past few weeks is that, you know, when the, when the players go out there and play poorly, no matter what kind of position you put them in, the coach is going to take the the blame for it. So yeah, When you look at that Minnesota game, Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore could not have played worse. And you know who takes the blame for it? Matt Rule does. And you don't know who else takes the blame for it? Sam Darnold does. You know who else takes the blame for it? The offensive line. But in reality, that offensive line is masking a bad play from a lot of other guys. And the Sam Darnold is masking play from, another, from a lot of other guys. So it, it's... It's been pretty bad across the board, especially on the offensive side of the ball. I don't think that Matt Rule is without blame in this situation. I don't think David Tepper is without blame. I don't think Joe Brady is without blame. This is what happens when your team gets blown out 25 to three by the by one of the worst teams in the league in the New York Giants. There's a lot of blame that gets passed around. So um, one of the, <laughs> Speaking of tangents, uh, yeah. <laughs> I guess I just went off on one, but, but the reality is that I, I don't disagree with you. I do think David Tepper um, ha- has to take a little bit of um, whether it's flack or blame or, or judgment for whatever they do, especially at the quarterback position, because that does kind of control where the entire team goes.
0: Well, hey, Josh, you can go on a tangent. These people who listen to the show daily, they hear enough of me. That's why you're here. So please give me all of the takes that you need to get off your chest as Panthers sit here at three and four. More with Josh Klein here in just a moment. They're back and they're better than ever with a new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline.ag remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use their promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From the NBA, college basketball, college football, the NFL to the Major League Baseball World Series, NHL, boxing and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. I want to remind you guys once again that Built Bar is by far the best tasting protein bar Ever, and I mean ever. If you haven't tried a built bar by now, you are missing out. They say it's a protein bar, but it does not taste like one. You have to try one of these amazing bars yourself to believe it. Most protein bars are chalky or waxy or just plain hard to choke down. A built bar is soft, covered in 100% real chocolate, and when you bite into it, you know you're eating something different. It's more of an experience, one that you'll enjoy. In fact, You'd swear you're eating a candy bar. Built Bars are low carb, low calorie, low fat, low sugar and high in protein. So all the healthy benefits on top of just being purely delicious. So many flavors. Another great thing about Built Bar, there are so many mouthwatering flavors, including coconut, raspberry, mint, brownie, coconut, almond, salted caramel, double chocolate, and cherry barcia. this month. Bilt Bar is coming out with new limited time flavors every three to four days. So check out their website often. You don't want to miss out. Go to BiltBar.com and use promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BiltBar.com. Let's say this though, like they're three and four. It's not great. It's also 23 games into... Matt Rule's tenure here in Carolina, are people quite possibly overreacting a little bit to this? Because it is still a rebuild, right?
3: Oh, yes, 100%. <laughs> the, the idea that, that people are calling for Matt Rule's job is, uh, is off the wall bonkers to me. This guy inherited a roster, whether you want to say that some of those roster decisions were influenced by him, or whether Marty Herney had a lot to do with it, whatever, this guy inherited the roster with almost nothing on it. And over the past 2 years, this team is definitely in a rebuilding phase. And I was actually thinking about this and I'd like to get your take on it too. They yeah. went 5 and 11 last year. They're mm-hmm. 3 and 4 right now. They finished mm-hmm. the season 7 and 10. Do you feel like that's a successful season? If they're on the if the, do you feel like the arrow is pointing up for them because they will have had more wins, they will be objectively getting better? over the course of the first two years. You know they have more talent on this roster than they did last year. So doesn't it feel like they should be pointing up? But instead, it feels like not only is their arrow, it feels like their arrow is pointing so far down that it's not even an arrow. It's just a straight line. Like, it's a 90-degree angle.
0: Dude, yes, absolutely. And that's what my point was to, like, the folks who listen to the show is like, hey, like, this is still – a rebuild, and you look at the trajectory of Matt Rule back when he was at Temple and Baylor. Like, they're terrible the first year, get a little bit better, kind of average that second year. Then they explode in the third year. So I'm not really judging him right now. And just looking at how they've been able to rework the defense, you have a ton of guys defensively, like Brian Burns and Derrick Brown and Jeremy Chinn, who are going to be here for a long time. Dante Jackson, the way he's played so far this season, the CJ Henderson trade, if they can get something out of Stephon Gilmore, maybe he wants to resign. And you also have AJ Boye for another year in theory, depending on how that all works out with the contracts. And Hassan Reddick has been so good. Like defensively, like that looks fixed for the foreseeable future. Now, of course they could always, you know, backslide and not play the way they played down the rest of the season and next season and beyond. But I feel really good about the defensive side of the unit. Offensively, like we know, Robbie Anderson can play. I don't know what's going on. Whether it's just like lack of focus, it's Darnold, it's him. I, he he's checking it out to get in the bag. I don't know, but I have confidence based on what we've seen through him in his career and last season that he can bounce back. And then DJ is fantastic, like with Terrace Marshall, can do. And hey, if Christian McCaffrey's ever ever back. Like it's the offensive line and the quarterback, and it takes time in this league to be able to build. The offensive line, and also to identify the right quarterback and develop him and give him time. So, yeah, they win seven games. Like my prediction was eight, nine. They can win seven games after last year. Like, yeah, it would be disappointing based off of you know you started out three zero, so that means that you only won four of your last thirteen games. Or, yeah, that's good that, math. You got that. Oh, that, checks out. that checks out. That's terrible. That out. That's terrible. Man. is that four good of your math? last.
3: 14 I think 14 I think yeah I'm yeah. so bad
0: <laughs> the, <laughs> Wait, extra, the extra That's game not right. makes it yeah. so
3: hard Just it's just like they're three and third I don't uh all the, all the extra the game I don't I, I can't do math
0: but I, I think that would actually be an upgrade because like you showed improvement in certain areas now with another offseason with this general manager a third year at the head coach and I would say probably the same defensive coordinator what happens with the O.C. I have no idea. You have the continuity where you're thinking, "Hey, year three, they can actually compete for a wild card." Like I still don't think they're going to be division contenders. I still think Tampa's probably going to be right there at top of the NFC South.
3: Yeah, probably for the next 20 years, as the uh, as the painting of Tom Brady in the attic start gets more and more decrepit, um, Tom Brady just gets more and more vibrant out uh, there on the football field. But I, I think that when you when you look at this team, the issue that most fans have, that most people have is that you continue to see some of the same coaching staff, some of the same play-calling kind of uh, foibles or, or mis- whether you want to call them mistakes or just kind of uh, missteps um, that they continue to happen over the first 23 games. And I do think, you know, you have to point to this team as a young, they have a young coaching staff, a young defense, but ultimately, if they don't get their quarterback figured out, you're just never going to be successful in this league. The, the, being, being an elite quarterback or having an above-average to elite quarterback is how you are able to compete for the division, um, for the conference, for the Super Bowl. And Sam Darnold just ain't it. And when you give wow. up assets in a year, I, I have to question it. I, you know, just because you're rebuilding and the arrow is pointing up doesn't mean that you don't make poor that you don't make bad moves and poor decisions. And I think ultimately trading three draft picks for a quarterback that is going to give you the same or worse performance than the quarterback who was already on your roster. That's, that's a mistake. And and I I, I do wonder if that will ultimately cost them um, going forward because, you know, when you're still rebuilding and they, you know, just said, just like I've said, they still are rebuilding to have one pick in the first hundred and just say, well, Scott Fitter is going to trade back and get more. That's not great. He didn't, if you didn't trade those picks away, he wouldn't need to trade back and get more. He would just have those extra picks. So then when he does trade back, it would just look that much better. So I think that was a real misstep on their part. And it was almost like they were trying to debate whether they were rebuilding or whether they were ready to win now. I know Matt Rule doesn't know the meaning of win now, but ultimately (laughs) some of the things they were doing and are still doing is win now. And I think when you look at this trade deadline coming up, the idea of whether they're going to trade for someone or trade away someone, I don't understand why they wouldn't be sellers a hundred times out of a hundred this season, even if you feel like they can you can win some more games and maybe play a challenge for a playoff spot. If you can get uh, if you can get a, a future draft pick for a veteran or you know somebody whose contract is running up at the end of the year, maybe a cornerback who is playing really well, who maybe you might not need to resign because you just traded for a cornerback on his rookie contract. I, I think you have to at least take those calls and think really hard about making those deals.
0: Yes, let's go right there then, because you are kind of alluding to Dante Jackson, and I've thought about this too, because you're right. like Just having a first-round pick is not going to help fix the offensive line. You want to get the top talent, and it's fine if you want to get guys in the fourth and fifth rounds, but that's not going to solve your issues more times than not when it comes to the offensive line and also the other holes on this roster. Like Dante Jackson – like, yeah, he's on an expiring deal. He's looked really good this year. Who's to say a contender can't use him? And who's to say that he doesn't just come back and resign? Like, yeah, he's probably going to be upset about getting traded and all that kind of stuff. And the you know, Panthers don't have the ability then to franchise tag him if they need to because there's plenty of guys who probably need to be taken care of this offseason. I also look at Hassan Reddick. Hey, you know, maybe they could do the same thing with him the way he started off the season. Maybe a contender wants him. He's pass rushing and he could come back. Or And they could continue to build to the draft. So could you see them potentially wind apart ways of either one of those guys as sellers next Tuesday at the deadline?
3: Yes, absolutely. The the idea of being in on every deal, I think a lot of Panthers fans, they look at it and they're like, well, in on every deal means we're going to go out and get everyone. I also think it means you are in the market to get rid of your guys as well. And let me pitch you on this idea. I think they could trade Stephon Gilmore for a fourth-round pick right now today.
0: I mean, why not? If he comes you out, traded, play, if he comes out healthy you, on Sunday and plays well, why not go ahead and flip him?
3: You traded a sixth round pick for him, and somebody comes to you and says, "Hey, man, we're contending." You said the Chiefs come to you, or the yeah. or the Ravens come to you, or or another you know cont- team that loses a cornerback on Sunday to injury says, "Hey, man, we'll, we'll give you a fourth rounder, even a fifth. I take a fifth rounder for Stefan Gilmore. Sure, why not? Uh, why the hell not?"
2: At this point, I, uh, I think anything. that
3: when you're thinking about you need more, you need more draft capital. The the way to get better during a rebuilding period is is through the draft. When you st- when you try to get better through free agency and having a ton of cap room, which the Panthers have, um, it is a recipe for disaster because then you bring in guys that are on their second deal, that are a little bit older, that are less likely that are that are more likely to hurt you down the road from a salary standpoint than they are to help you so the way to rebuild which is again what the Panthers are still doing for another year is to do it through the draft and when you do it through free agency no matter how careful you are you end up signing Steven Weatherly or uh I mean I'm just trying to like think of bad guys that you have that that every team has signed it happens every single year that you say hey we went out and got Pat Elfline it looks like a great deal for two years guess what? He hasn't played at all this year. And when he has played, he's looked bad. I mean, that was a bad deal when they signed it, but even at the time, like even like now it looks even worse. So it's like when you go out and you sign free agents to, to, to rebuild, it it almost never works out. You use free agency to supplement the roster that you build through the draft. That's how you have to do it. And that is how I think the Panthers should be doing it. And I think they will do it, but they need more draft assets in the way to do that right now is through trades. Yeah,
0: that's a great point to bring up because you look at the last two years, they've done pretty well through the draft. But when it comes to free agency, like you bring up Weatherly, Perryman, probably not a cultural fit here, but he's played really well so far with the Las Vegas Raiders. And that's a deal that they need to make considering just he wasn't going to play the amount of snaps they could probably use in the last couple of weeks of Shaq Thompson out. But either way, I don't really have a problem with imparting ways with him. But Melvin originally didn't make the roster. You also think back to the first two signings of Irving and Elfline. Those were terrible deals. Darnold was a terrible deal. Do you have a ton of confidence in their ability to identify the right free agents moving forward, just based off what we've seen the last two off seasons?
3: You know, I think it's tough. I think it's a lot easier to bring in the final pieces of the puzzle through free agency than it is to build the. Than it is to. It, it's easier to bring in the 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 middle pieces than the corners. You know, if you're if you're putting a puzzle together and you're like. Hey, who do I need? Who, who can I bring in that's going like to really anchor the offensive line? You're going to be in trouble if you're trying to bring in somebody through free agency to anchor the offensive line. But if you need somebody that can be a backup at two positions, like if they already had a left tackle or a, or a guard, if they already had two starting guards and you bring in Pat Elfline as the backup between both both spots, it's like, yeah, whatever, sure. That's a, that's a fine deal. Same thing for A.J. Bouye. A.J. Bouye looks like a great signing. You know why? Yeah. Because he's not supposed to be the number one corner in Carolina. He's the number three corner in Carolina. So, and he is, has played better than that. He has played above those expectations. It's all about expectations for free agency. And and when you try to go out there and when you try to fill your roster with stars through free agency, you end up in trouble. And, and that that is just, and, and I am a little bit hesitant and worried with the amount of cap space that they have next year. And the the uh, scarcity of their draft picks that they are going to say, Hey, you know what, then let's, let's just build through the, let's just build through the cap as opposed to building through the draft. Building through the draft is how you have to rebuild and build your team to be successful on a sustained level. Um, And and I hope that, that that is something that they understand. It certainly seems like they might, but I, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure on that. I mean, I guess we'll see.
0: Yeah. It's hard to speak for them. Let me, uh, let me get you out on this here. Uh, of course, it's been a topic of conversation. Um, I don't understand how it can be, but uh, Deshaun Watson, of course, is on the trade block, as we know. And there have been reports that the Panthers are interested, especially a lot that came out following the performance by Sam Darnold and this team on Sunday. Does it make any sense at all to you for the Carolina Panthers to try and go trade for Deshaun Watson?
3: Um, I have a, I have a. I have a pretty strong opinion about whether they should, um, whether or not they will or won't. I I don't really, I don't really know. Um, But for me, I think that when you look at what's happening in terms of the allegations that Deshaun Watson faces, um, whether or not he's guilty um, doesn't really, you know, I, obviously I can't speak to that. And I, and I don't think anybody should, um, but I do think that it would it would – surpri- it is surprising to me that teams don't seem to care whether he is guilty or not, and they are um, willing is to – Is it, though?
0: It's the NFL.
3: But that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I <laughs> guess I guess that's the – I guess you're right. Am I surprised by it? No, because they, you know, they put out uh, concussed guys all the time to go out there and play. But it's just like – man, it's just – it's so unsavory – and it just like it rubs me the wrong way, and I know that you know I've got called all kinds of uh, I got all kind, called all kinds of terrible things for saying that I couldn't understand why um, this guy, why the narrative has moved on from the allegations against him to which team he would deign to be traded to, um, and, and it just it, it just bothers me. It rubs me the wrong way that this is where we're at in terms of the NFL um, that that a guy that can have twenty two pending allegations can say, yeah, you know what? I don't actually want to be traded to Philadelphia. I want to go to Miami or I want to go to Carolina or I want to go somewhere else. So I, I think that if I was a, um, it, it would just be, it would just be very hard for me to, to line up the, um, the statements that David Tepper has made that Matt rule have made about what they want Carolina Panthers, uh, the Carolina Panthers organization to be, with the idea of trading for someone that has outstanding allegations against them, whether he is guilty or not. Um, I, I, you know, I I think that is not for, for us to say, you know, it's obviously, and it's not for Matt rule. It's not for David Tepper to decide, but, you know, I I wish that the the NFL would be a little bit more, um, decisive and say, Hey, like we can't do anything until this is settled. Because the fact that we're that it's still hanging over all of our heads and hanging over the Panthers' heads, and you have to make these and the Texans' heads for that matter, you have to make these decisions in the next uh, six days. Um, It just sucks, man. And the idea that he may be uh, coming here to Carolina and that would be something that we'd have to deal with over the next year. um, I I just I I would hope that David Tepper and Matt Rule that is not something that they want to bring here. to Carolina,
0: yeah, it's also something I'm not really all that interested in having to discuss basically on a daily basis, and kind of waiting for, uh, what is it to drop? Like the other shoot, the shoot to drop, right? Is that is that the saying? All these stupid things that we say. Um, either yeah. way, I, I, I'm on, a, I'm on the same page with you. It just doesn't really make a ton of sense to me, just in terms of just like football wise and just business wise. Just doesn't seem like the kind of risk that this team needs to be making 23 games into rules tenure. Josh, Julie, always, can I ask
3: you, I know, I know you're trying to get out of here, but I got to ask you, I know where sure. i like, I really do want to get your opinion on this. Is it, uh, uh, is, uh, is the point of a football team is to make money or to win football games? Like if you're the, if you're the owner, if you're David Tepper, the owner of a team is that which one is more important?
0: Um, I mean, well, the money is coming regardless because of the TV contract, but I mean, that's the thing I look at it. The NFL is a business. I said this on the show Tuesday that I don't look at the NFL as being the moral compass of our society, Like they should not be. Like any other company in America, there are plenty, and I'm not saying this is who Deshaun Watson is, but there are plenty of awful people working at plenty of companies throughout the United States that are very successful, and those companies turn the other cheek and do not care because they help bring in money and success for them. And the NFL, there's plenty of guys in the league that are certainly very questionable characters, although I do not know who they are personally. There's, they've done questionable things that make you think, hmm, do you really want to have this guy representing your organization? But if they help them win and make money, uh, at the end of the day, it's a business, and that's all that really matters in the NFL. And they've proven time and time again, that's all that they care about now. As far as Carolina Panthers in the history that they've had with guys like Greg Carruth and Greg Hardy, and with the previous owner Terry Richardson, the culture that he allowed to happen in his building, I don't think it's a good look. I also don't see the Carolina Panthers as being this great community pillar. Like these guys are private citizens who work in a public-facing job. They certainly can hold influence, but I do not view them as role models and more than they should be viewed as. So I see it. I can. I see it both ways, but for me, it's just like I really don't think we should make it more than it needs to be. Even though, like, I'm not necessarily comfortable with, with the allegation that Jude Deshaun Watson has and him coming here to Carolina, just based off of I have to talk about this. I don't want to talk about it, and also just like these are pretty grotesque things that he's been accused of, and this has yet to be been played out, and this has been the focus more so. The football's been the focus more so than like, hey, like, should he even be playing?
3: Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think that the fact that football and whether he would be a football fit and how what the draft pick compensation should be being the question rather than you know should he even be allowed back on the football field. Um brings up all kinds of other questions. But I'm sure we've gone way too long already um since you were trying to push me out of here and I totally (laughs) understand that.
0: No, you're fine, man. Like yeah, I mean I'm I'm I've told people how I feel about it. I just like if I I have nothing against Deshaun Watson. I love this career back in Clemson. He seemed like to be a great guy, but I tell people you don't know these players. We got people all the time like, oh that's my quarterback. Like uh you don't know him. You don't know what he does in his personal life, so you can try and be a stand of whatever person out there. But you don't know these individuals; you don't know what they're about. I'm not saying that all that these are terrible people out there. There's plenty of great guys who play football, and I'm sure the majority are. Just in certain situations like this, I just don't. I, I don't feel like it's the. This should be a conversation we're having right now, even though it's a conversation we kind of have to have, just based off of covering the team and it's in the news, and it's pretty hard to avoid right now now if he didn't have these allegations I'd be all for it but until this is played through throughout the court I don't really have any interest in the Carolina Panthers pursuing Deshaun Watson maybe down the road but right now I I gotta see this go away first
3: yeah I think we're both on the same page
0: yeah, and look, people can say whatever the hell they want. Like, we, Twitter is crazy, and the way I've seen people act in this country over the last couple of years, I quite frankly don't care what many of people's opinions are, especially if I don't know them personally they don't know me personally, so I'm, I don't really care what if somebody's going to tweet at us for our conversation here. But I appreciate you as always, man, especially your perspective on the Carolina Panthers and the work that you do. Guys, make sure to check out Josh and his podcast with Nikki Wolf and Colin Hoggard, One Day Contract over there. At the riot report, do a fantastic job. Follow him on Twitter at Josh Klein Rules. Josh, thank you so much for your time as always.
3: Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. Go Hornets.
0: Yes, go Hornets. Always great to catch up with Josh Klein of the riot report. He is the managing editor for the riot report, by the way. You should check out his podcast that he does with Nikki Wolf and Colin Hoggard one day contract go check them out they do a very good job also follow him on twitter at josh klein rules you probably already know about him so happy for him to come on the pod. and Hoping to get more guests to come on here on Wednesdays, as long as they don't have me recording the episode at 11 o'clock at night, because I have no time for that. Trying to get this done as early as possible so I can enjoy my evening. Um, either way, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Also, check it out on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and wherever you listen to this podcast and all of your favorite podcasts across the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow me on Twitter at Julian Cal. So every single Friday, we have the weekly Friday mailbag here on the show. Go ahead and get your mailbag questions in by either adding me or DMing me at Julian Council. Coming up tomorrow, i going to talk to Aaron Freeman of the Locked On Falcons podcast and tell him why the Falcons will not be winning on Sunday against the Carolina Panthers. Thanks as always for the support. Take care. Keep pounding. Talk to you Thursday.